Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Luke 17. Well, how many of you enjoy doing puzzles? You like doing puzzles? Uh, my, uh, my, my daddy Doe, my grandfather, my mom's dad... Growing up, we always uh, we always did puzzles at his house, and uh, we'd we'd do puzzles, or uh, we'd watch some old movie that I didn't even know what year it was made or who was in it or whatnot. But I remember going to uh, Mama and Daddy Doe's when we were kids in their house. How many of you have, you've been to my mom's house? So you know that she has a lot of stuff on her walls. At my grandparents' house, I've said this before, uh, but they didn't have walls; they just had stuff. Uh, you couldn't see the walls. Every, I'm not exaggerating to say uh, for you to find, for you to find um, maybe a foot by foot patch on a wall anywhere that didn't have something in it. Uh, good luck. You you would always, man. You always found stuff, and there was just stuff on the walls, stuff hanging from the ceilings. There, she had more cabbage patch dolls and uh, what those other little figurines, those little dolls, just tons of dolls she had. I think my cousin and I counted almost 800 one time. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of little dolls all over. So needless to say, when you got to mama and daddy does, you couldn't touch anything. Like we got there, literally I come in the door and they call me DJ and mama would say, DJ, don't touch anything. I'd walk down the hall and daddy would be like, DJ, you heard mama, don't touch anything. And so what we could do at mama and daddy does, we could find our way into the back room. And in the back room that they, it was either, it was a deck at one time and then they covered it, made it a back room. We could find our way back there and we could either play in the backyard or we could sit in the room and do puzzles with daddy Doe. And so growing up, man, we sat in the room and we did puzzles with Daddy Doe and he'd tell us war stories. You know one of the most frustrating things about doing a puzzle? The missing pieces. Don't you hate it? The missing pieces. We, we hit a point in our family and of course even I think Daddy Doe's the one that did it. If you came across a puzzle and you're missing pieces, just throw the whole thing away. There's no point because you're not gonna have a completed picture because pieces are missing. Tonight, as we come to Luke chapter number 16, we're going to come to a passage, and you and I know that we hate the missing pieces. Tonight, we're going to see how Jesus feels about the missing pieces, because in the story before us tonight, there's some missing pieces. There's some, some missing people, if you will, and we're going to really tell that he, Jesus, that he hates missing pieces just like you and I do. Not talking about a puzzle, though. We're talking about life. And I'm going to show you what, we may, what I mean by that tonight. So take your Bibles. Let's go to Luke 17. And we're going to begin in verse number 11, all right? A familiar passage, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse number 11. It says this, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and, and fell down on his face at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him Jesus' thanks. And he, this one, he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? 
But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. It's a familiar passage tonight, but I think it'll be helpful to us to realize how Jesus feels about the missing piece of people giving him the praise and thanks that he deserves. And so I think this will be a help to us. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a minute and just give God permission to speak to you? Pray something simple. God, please speak to me tonight. And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you, and I want to respond to you tonight. Dear Lord, we just come before you and thank you again for our time uh, to be able to be together. Thank you for the teens and the, uh, the kids that are with us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the adults that are here. And God, I pray that in every part of our building where your name is being lifted up, that you would help and that you would help uh, us to have receptive hearts. Pray that you'd help your word to impact each of us. And Lord, that we would leave tonight... Um, Father, just desiring to show you gratitude in every area of our life. I love you, Lord. Thanks for loving me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to Luke 17, it's probably a familiar portion of Scripture. If you've been here, if you've been here for more than two years, you've already heard me preach on it. I try to preach on it really about every year coming to this passage. I think it's a great passage that teaches us a number of awesome principles about Thanksgiving, which is really just a week away right around the corner. And so this is where we're going to be tonight. But as we come to Luke 17, we need to know that Jesus is really just, uh, he's just a few weeks away from the cross. I personally think that it's probably within about a month from Luke 17 that Jesus would be crucified. I think we can go and <coughs> discover that Jesus has been, in the last few weeks before Luke 17, he's been in the northern region of Galilee, uh, there the northern region of Israel. And then as you come to Luke 17, he would be traveling back south, not to Jerusalem yet, but just kind of into the southern region. And it's, it's on that journey, the journey, from G, the journey from the north to the south, that Jesus comes across these 10 lepers. And it's, this story is really, I believe, uh, not necessarily the story of the one. I really think it's a story of the nine. And I want you to see this tonight with me and notice a few thoughts about this trip that Jesus did on this particular day. As we come to it, we find an introduction to some men who each of them were living what we would call a hopeless life. I think all, of, all 10 of these men that approached Christ, they're all living a, a hopeless life. Well, what's the hopelessness about it? Well, they had leprosy. I look around tonight, uh, everybody in here is a, is a Bible student, I know that, and as I look at this, I'm not going to pretend like we're ignorant. We all know leprosy. Man, it was a, it was a disease, a skin disease, it was a, a nerve disease that would cause discoloration in the skin and deformities in the skin and often even uh, uh, um, dismemberment or disfigurement. Uh, it's stated that in history, people had leprosy, that body parts would just come off at time. I mean, like a, you just lose a finger or lose a nose or lose an eyelid. I mean, just things like that. And really, if you think about leprosy, it literally changed your life for the worse. And it turned your life into uh, a doomed and a disgraceful existence. 
It was, it was a, really, leprosy was, it was a death sentence. It, it was hopeless to every, uh, I mean, under every definition of the word hopeless, leprosy met it. Lepers were required to live outside of town. They were required to create really their own colony. They were required to make known their uncleanness if they were ever around somebody who didn't have leprosy. Uh, Leviticus, under the law, uh, the Old Testament, told them that the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. This is what you had to do anytime you went around the city. You couldn't go into the city, but just walking around. If people, travelers nearby were coming, you're the one who had to walk around with that, that the finger over your lip or something on your lip shouting, unclean, unclean. I remember dressing up for Halloween when I was a little kid, and uh, we did Bible characters at our, at our church event one year. My mom said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go as a leper. And uh, she wrapped me all up, and I, walk, I, I had bloody bat, uh, bandages all over. And all night, I remember I walked around going, unclean, 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 unclean. And, and we laughed, but man, can you imagine? Can you imagine having to do that your entire life? I mean, that was their, that was their existence. It's, it was actually stated historically that when there wasn't wind, when there wasn't wind, you, uh, a leper could be 10 feet away from somebody. So you could go and actually be this far from Leo and, and maybe your family members, you could talk to them 10 feet. But on a windy day, and most days would be windy, you had to be at least 150 feet away from anybody. I mean, really, this was a hopeless life and a life of solitude, a life of probably a lot of frustration, and that's where these lepers are. But on this journey, they come to Christ. We read it just a moment ago in verse 12, that when Jesus entered the certain village, that on the outskirts, there met him 10 men that were lepers. They stood afar off, and what'd they do? They lifted up their voices, and they cried out, Master, or Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We don't know how, but if if we maybe did the... Um, did the, the map study of where Jesus would be traveling, perhaps this trip with these lepers and this village would have been maybe near the village of Sychar. Jesus on this trip may be, may be traveling through the area of Samaria because we know the Samaritan met him and was one of the lepers. And so maybe this is where Jesus is traveling through. We don't know how the people met Christ or how these uh, uh, lepers knew about him. Maybe it was from, I don't know, a woman at a well at one point that traveled back into a city. You see, when we read the Bible, we gotta figure out, how did they know? Well, the region, it probably would have been, maybe that woman or someone else that got saved because of the revival that took place in John chapter four. But nonetheless, they know who Jesus is. They know who to turn to. And so they lift up their voice. That means they begin to cry aloud so that anyone could hear. It wasn't just uh, when it says they lifted up their voices, it doesn't mean they shouted it once. It means they were continual. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy. And they just kept shouting that over and over and over again. You can really understand then why, it was, why, why we would call it a hopeless life. Man, they're just at a point of desperation, aren't they? They are at a point of desperation, living in this horrible condition, knowing that they need help. And so if, with this hopelessness, they cry out, and we see secondly tonight that there's mercy given. Man, they're in a hopeless life, but there is mercy given. Verse number 14, I love this. It says, when Jesus saw them, when he saw them, 
he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus answered them. I mean, he was on a, it's just kind of a side thought in reading this passage, but Jesus is on a, a, a weary journey at this point. If you go and you kind of backtrack, you find that Jesus has been traveling a lot leading up to this point, and yet he still has time for the outcast. He still has time for the hopeless. I don't know, I don't know if you're this way, but I am. Normally, when I start a trip, I want to talk to anybody. I'll talk to everybody around me. I'll, I'll talk to people walking through the airport. I'll talk to Dustin's not like that at all. Uh, don't worry, Hannah's not like that either. But I'll, I'll talk to people. They'll be sitting in the, on the plane next to me, and I'll talk to them. As I get going, we, you know, we just did this, that youth conference last week, and <clears throat> the first day I'm there, I'm walking up to teens and introducing myself and the ones I remembered from last year, trying to recall their names and talking to them and meeting new pastors and and youth pastors. And I'm kind of going about meeting people and talking to them in the second day. Uh, But come the end of the youth conference, come Friday afternoon, myself and uh, one of the other uh, fellows that was there that was doing all the music, uh, we were there and they they had told us, now we're going to take all the kids to a theme park, go to an amusement park, and you guys are welcome to go. It got about one o'clock in the afternoon that day. They were gonna leave at two. And I was looking at my watch and I looked at my friend Matt and I was, he had asked me that morning, what do you think? You wanna go to the amusement park? And that morning I was like, yeah, yeah, we can go. I'd be fine. But by two o'clock that afternoon, I didn't wanna be around people. I didn't wanna talk to teenagers. I, we, we had talked about it. I, I said, man, you know if we go, you know, if we go, we're just going to be going to, you know, ask, hey, come ride this with me. And hey, come do that. And then we're going to be with the other youth pastor who was hosting it, just chasing his teens around. I was like, that does not sound like a fun afternoon to me. I was like, how about we just catch dinner and just kind of hang out? He was like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's do that. And he threw out a couple ideas. So we, we just hung out. We spent the afternoon together. And you know what? Coming home Saturday, I spent the day by myself. Sunday, I was around people all day. Monday was my day to fly home. You know what I wanted to do when I got on a plane Monday? Like, don't talk to me. Just leave me alone. I don't want to do anything. Tuesday, I came. Tuesday was funny. I got back, you know, late Monday night. Tuesday morning, got up and did my normal thing. And that afternoon, I was supposed to come in and do staff meeting and and do some other things. About 1 o'clock, you know what I did? I just went home. I walked in. Hannah was surprised to see me. And what are you doing? I was like, I just don't want to be around people. I'm staff meetings Wednesday. I don't even want to be around the staff right now. Why? Man, it's just been a long week, long weekend. My brain was tired. You know what? I'm thankful that Jesus, I'm thankful that he doesn't follow the same tendencies that we do sometimes. Because here he is, probably tired from travel, and yet the lepers, the outcasts, he still had time for them. What does he do? He shows them mercy. And he gives them mercy. He says to them to go show themselves unto the priest. He was actually quoting from Leviticus chapter 14 and verse number two when it says, thus shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And so Jesus, I mean, he was telling them what to do even before they were healed. Do you notice that about this story? It doesn't say Jesus healed them and then sent them. It says when he saw them, he just said to them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And they had to turn around and take a step of faith. And when they did, when they did, it says, and it came to pass that 
as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I don't know how it took, I don't know how it took place, but as they went, they were cleansed. I can imagine them talking to Christ and turning, and then as they're going, maybe the guy who's kind of the straggler, kind of the guy uh, behind everybody, maybe he goes, hey, guys, guys, look, look, I, look, I, I'm free. Look, I don't have leprosy anymore. Guys, look, there's, there's no more sores. And then maybe somebody else just looks down and, and looks at his hand, right, right, takes the bandages off and looks down and thinks, man, I, I'm, I'm cleansed too. And now they begin to get all excited. And pretty soon all of them, real, all of them realize, all 10 realize that they're made whole. They were immediately cleansed of their leprosy. And remember that word, remember the word cleansed. They were cleansed of their leprosy. Their leprosy is gone all because they simply obeyed his instruction and they received mercy from God. You know, leprosy is a great, in scripture, a great picture of sin. And aren't you thankful that we can receive God's mercy and forgiveness over our sin simply by a step of faith? Our step of faith is not toward a priest or toward a religion. Our step of faith is faith in Jesus Christ. And aren't you thankful? I mean, there's just, there's some good pictures. I'm not preaching that tonight and the thought of it, but I just love the picture of a, of a sinner coming to, to a saving grace in Jesus and him showing mercy because of faith. Well, we see then, thirdly tonight, we see thanksgiving is shown. We see some, we see some thanksgiving shown. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. It says, and one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. One man who's healed, he noticed the healing while he was on his way to the priest. And instead of continuing on his journey to the priest, he turned around and he, he came back to Christ. And what did he do? Well, he got down. He, he fell down before the Lord. He worshiped God. To fall down before means really it's him ascribing worth to, to worship, to show who glory belongs to. And he begins to, with a loud voice, glorify God. He doesn't care who hears about him. He doesn't care what, what's said about him. He doesn't, I mean, they're right outside of the town. You know by now people are watching. And it says, with a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down on his face, and he gave him thanks. He appears to be very uh, hearty and affectionate in his thanksgiving. No doubt he was truly grateful for the work that Jesus had done in his life. And his thanksgiving, I have on my notes, his thanksgiving is unmistakable. You know he's thankful. And he gives glory to God, thanksgiving to Christ. And, and the Bible tells us that because of his faith, because of him turning back around and in faith coming back to Jesus, in verse number 19, it says that he was made whole. Do you see it? Chapter 17, verse number 19. It says, and he, Jesus said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, <clears throat> we could take that statement and we could go one of a couple ways on it. Number one, we could say that he, he received Christ at this point. He, his, his faith made him spiritually whole. We could do that. But I, I don't know. Here's what I kind of lean toward. I kind of lean toward that when it says that his faith made him whole, I kind of lean toward that that missing finger that he was missing came back. 
that, that maybe that skin and that scar from the leprosy that he had, it was no longer there. The word whole right here, it means to be completely healed. I, I don't know for sure, but if I'm reading the story right and his, his faith made him whole, I would say that the man, he received Christ when he first came before him and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, and in faith was going to the priest. But then when he came back and began to praise and in faith came back to the one that he knew had healed him, that he got the extra blessing. He got the extra blessing. This man, he knew who to go to. He didn't think it was just chance. He didn't think, well, I deserve to be healthy and just keep going on his way to the priest. He knew I've got to turn around and I've got to show thanksgiving to the one who gave this to me. So we see, we see tonight these men, they have a hopeless existence, a hopeless life, but then there's mercy that's given, there's thanksgiving that is shown, but notice fourthly tonight, there's an ingratitude revealed. There's an ingratitude revealed. Look at verse 17 and 18. It says, in Jesus answering, he said, were there not uh, 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Jesus asks a simple question. Hey, uh, I imagine talking to his disciples. We know they would have been traveling with him at this time. Maybe to them, maybe to this one. He just asked the question, hey, weren't there 10 of you? Why is there only one? It's a logical question. I mean, Jesus thinking, didn't I work in the lives of all 10? Didn't all, weren't all 10 healed? I mean, we know from the passage that all 10 were healed. Maybe the disciples were standing there thinking, well, Jesus, maybe only this fellow was healed. But Jesus knew the truth. He knew that all 10 were healed. He knew that all 10 had been touched, that as they went, they all were healed. Not just a couple of them, but they all were cleansed of their leprosy. And I can imagine Christ kind of thinking, and this is what he's asking, didn't I work in their lives as well? And why is it that the stranger, why is it that the Samaritan, the one whom you wouldn't expect to come back, why is he the one that came back? And the other nine, why are, why are they the ones that didn't come back? And while Christ recognizes the gratitude of one, it would be wrong of us to notice that he also recognizes the ingratitude of the nine. Why was my kindness slighted and overlooked where are the missing pieces? You know, I think that there's a lot of times in our life when we, like the nine, we receive some great blessings from God, don't we? We receive some great benefits. We receive, I mean, we could start at salvation. And no doubt, everybody in here has made a profession of faith and knows the Lord. And, and probably in your life, you have time when you have said to God, God, thank you for saving me. And I hope that never becomes uh, something old that we just, you know, just kind of do out of habit, but always thanking the Lord for salvation. But I want to take this a little bit deeper tonight. I really want to speak to myself, even as I was praying this afternoon and thinking about tonight's message, because I know in my life, you know what? I'm like a lot of believers and too many believers were quick, were quick to pray 
We're quick to pray and we're slow to praise. We're quick to pray and give the request and, and we should pray. And God says, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. God says, bring all of your requests to me. And, and, and we know all of the promises about prayer and every Christian should be a Christian who spends time praying and, and speaking to the Lord about the supplications and the requests in our heart. But I fear that if we're not careful that all too often we pray a lot, but we don't praise a lot. I know in my life that I'm quick at times to give God a a prayer request and things that I'm asking him to do, but I forget to stop and thank him for things that he's already done. Oh, I'm not talking about some major, big answered prayer request. I mean just the small things. God convicts me about this just about every time I travel. I I don't like traveling by myself. It's not the funnest thing. There are some blessings to it at times, but it's just, it's not the best thing. Not the funnest thing. You know what? Every time I travel by myself, the thought comes to my mind. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but the thought comes to my mind. What if I don't make it back home? That comes to my mind. And every time I leave the house, and I can take you back to last Tuesday, not two days ago, but a week, nine days ago, as I was leaving my house, get ready to go get a hotel and get up super early and fly out of Spokane, I was leaving the house, and I remember sitting in my truck just saying, God, would you please bring me back home again? God, just bring me back home again, Lord. And I know in my own life, there's times when I can come and pray that and come back from a trip and just kind of walk back in the house and just kind of go, you know, just kind of hit the ground running and not stop and say, man, God, thank you for bringing me back home. Like there's a lot, a lot of times there's small prayer requests that we have in our life that God answers the way that we asked and yet we don't thank him. But did you know that the Bible tells us, and I'll I'll talk very briefly about it on Sunday, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. That means even the times when the prayer requests aren't answered the way I want, we still give thanks. Why? Because we are the 10. God has done a lot for us. And we don't want to be the, we don't want to be the, the missing pieces I don't want to be the one whose in, who's, uh, uh, ingratitude is revealed by the Lord to say, hey, why aren't you thankful, Dennis? Hey, why aren't you being thankful for everything, not, not only the blessings, but also the, the trials and the challenges? Hey, Dennis, be a thankful person. Too many believers were quick to pray, but not quick to praise. The Bible says this in Psalm 140 and verse number 13, surely the righteous... That word surely means of a truth. It means it's going to have, it's, it's like this is expected. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. Man, those that know you, those that know Christ, surely those that know the Lord, surely they're the ones that will, that will give thanks. And yet I find in my life that all too often I'm quicker to complain than I am to praise. And I'm thinking even right now, uh, this is on my mind today. I've been praying, you know, we're all praying for our building. And we are, we're all praying, God, uh, bring in, bring in the, the few million dollars that we need to build this building. You say millions of dollars? Yes, it's gonna be expensive to build. But you know what? Our God has it and we're praying it. God, bring this money in. God, help us with this. But you know what I find myself needing to do more often? is God, while you're bringing that to us, thank you for the building we do have. God, I'm sorry for the times I complain about it. (laughs) 
because I can complain about this building. I can complain about the little things that need to be fixed. I can complain about the parking lot being small. I can, I can complain about the building being an off-beaten location. I can complain about the frustrating things at the building. Don't we all have things in our life that are easy to complain about? You know what? You know what God convicts me of often is, Dennis, quit complaining about what you have and just be thankful for what you have and watch what I can do. And so, yeah, let's pray for a new building. Yeah, let's pray for, let's pray for, for growth in, in our church, numerical growth and spiritual growth. But let's also be thankful for what God is doing and, and, and praise him and thank, give thanksgiving for what he has done. Hannah reminds me often because I'm on to the next thing. That's my, that's my mind. I'm, I, uh, was it type A? I'm just driven, just keep going, just move forward. And often Hannah will say, babe, she'll say, stop. Let's just thank God for the last big Sunday we had. Because after a big Sunday, I'm like, all right, on to follow-up. How are we going to reach them? What are we going to do? Come on, staff. And we sit down, and we're on to the next thing. I mean, two weeks ago, it was staff refresh. And I'm on to 2022, and I'm planning out my series next year and what we're preaching and all that. I'm on to the next thing. You know what we need to do every now and then? We need to stop and just reflect upon the things that God has brought into our lives and remind ourselves that we are a blessed people. And we are, a, we are a blessed people. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. And so tonight, I want us to be challenged to not be the missing piece. Be the one. Be the one that gives thanksgiving, not the nine that forget. And if we're gonna be the one who shows gratitude, I just wanna give you a real, real quick Five things that we have to do to be the one that shows gratitude. Five things that will help us be the one to show gratitude. Very quickly, number one, see the blessing. Number one, see the blessing. Do you know when the one turned around? The Bible says when he saw that he was healed. When he saw that he was healed. He could have just been he could have been Dennis type A onto the, onto the temple, onto the priest. And everybody's celebrating around him. Man, we're healed. And him going, yeah, I'm healed too. And just, but the, the context helps us, helps us see that he, he probably stopped. And he took time to look at the blessing of his, of his skin. And he saw that he was healed. Hey, don't be too busy and so much onto the next thing that you miss the blessings along the way. If we're going to be the one who shows gratitude, we have to see the blessing. He could have been focused on getting to the priest, right? He could have been on to the next thing because if you know the story, if you know Leviticus, he's supposed to go to the priest so that he can be deemed clean and then probably be in isolation for another seven days, maybe 10 days, and then be deemed completely clean. And then he can go to his family. And his mind could have been on that. I want to get this process going so I can be back. But you know what he didn't do? You know what he did? He stopped and he saw the blessing. Hey, sometimes it would be healthy for us to not be on to the next thing, but ask God, God, help me to see the blessings. God, even though, even though the parking lot can be frustrating, help me to see the blessing of having a parking lot. God, even though the heat can be frustrating at times, help me to see the blessing that the church isn't in the same shape it was 11 years ago when we started with no heat and us freezing on a night like tonight. What do we have to do? We just gotta stop and see the blessing. Number two, remember the source. 
See the blessing. Number two, remember the source. In the passage, you know what he did? It says when he saw the blessing, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. He not only saw the blessing, but he remembered the source of the blessing. He remembered this. I didn't deserve this. This, isn't, this wasn't brought on because of my own goodness. He turned back to the Lord. He remembered where the blessing came from. And in your life and my life, may we never, never forget that any good in our life is all God. And any blessings in our life, it's all God. And the trials in our life, they're meant to, meant to propel us toward God. The blessings of life, they're from God. And the frustrations of life, they help me grow to God. It just points back to him. Remember the source he turned back. Number three, if we're going to be the one who shows gratitude, we've got to see the blessing. Remember the source. And then number three, we've got to unashamedly praise. Unashamedly praise. We read that he glorified God with a loud voice. Now, with a loud voice, he praised God. I think all of us, if, you have, if you've ever been around kids, kids pick up on adults' characteristics quickly. There's a lot of parents that say, man, my kids sure do complain a lot. But it's often because we complain a lot. I wonder what would happen in our homes, what would happen in our family, what would happen around uh, the church kids and teens, what would happen around people if we were to be like this one and unashamedly praise and just praise God for the good things and point out the good things and be vocal about it. Be vocal about somebody, uh, maybe at work, when somebody tells you, hey, you did a really good job on this. Be vocal to, to give praise to God. It doesn't mean you have to be the weirdo. It's like, oh, well, nope, wasn't me, wasn't me, nope, nope, wasn't me. It was completely God. It was all God. And you got to do something like that. But you can't, someone says, hey, man, you really did this. Hey, I just, I, I praise God that he's given me the ability to do that. I just, I just praise the Lord. Unashamedly praise. Number four is worship God. If I'm going to be the one that shows gratitude I've got to ascribe worth to God. I've got to worship the one who gave it to me. Did you know worship and praise, they're different. Worship says I ascribe worth to. Praise says I'm going to lift up my voice and vocalize it. Worship is a heart. Praise is the verbal vocalization of the worship that's within us. We need to worship God. This is a heart that says, I just want to exalt the one who's given me the blessing. And then the last is express thanksgiving. Express thanksgiving, it could go along with unashamedly praising, but the scripture says that this man, he gave him thanks. You know what he did? He spent time telling Jesus what he was specifically thankful for. You know, as you and I thank the Lord for things, we shouldn't just thank him for the general things. I find myself doing that. Like, God, thank you for all the blessings you've given me. Now, here's specifically what I want more of. I think we should probably come back to when we're expressing thanksgiving to say, God, thank you for the safety. 
God, thank you for this answered prayer request. Lord, thank you for the paycheck. God, thank you for meeting this need. God, thank you for that conversation going well with that coworker or that loved one. God, thank you for the challenge that you brought into my heart through my time with you this morning. God, thank you for, and being specific. And these five things, they'll help us be the one, not the nine. See the blessing. Don't be going through life so fast that you miss what God does. Remember the source. Never forget that it's all him. Unashamedly praise, worship God, and express thanksgiving. And the challenge I want us to make is to make the decision to lead in thanks this Thanksgiving season. And God, would you help me to lead my family in thanks? And then after Thanksgiving, we come to the give me season, right? Christmas. Man, let's lead through Christmas, not in the give me season, but in the I'm just going to give God thanks for what I have season. God, help me to remember all the blessings and help me to apply these things into my life. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.